I can't really do any better than Kim did with the children in uh, pointing out some of the particulars of this parable. I want to move us this morning right to the heart of it. And since I don't have a lot of time to develop it this morning, I hope that you will remember this. This parable, like many of Jesus' parables, especially in the Gospel of Matthew, is rich in allegory. Every character in the parable stands for something else. The wise and foolish bridesmaids in this parable stand for the church, a community of believers who await the coming of the bridegroom. Jesus Christ is himself the bridegroom for whom we wait to come and establish the kingdom. The wedding party is that kingdom, the kingdom of God, when God will be all in all and the kingdom will be fully consummated and the world will be as God intends it to be. All that seems rather cut and dried in this parable. But the wild card in the parable is the oil. It is clearly the main thing on which the parable centers. The lack of it is what produces the crisis in the story for those bridesmaids called foolish and ultimately results in their being shut out of the party. So the question which has been debated for centuries since the story was told, what does the oil really stand for? Let's hold that question open for just a moment and think about the problem with those foolish bridesmaids. The problem was not that they didn't expect the bridegroom. They were there waiting with the other five. The problem was not that they fell asleep. If you recall from the story, all ten bridesmaids fall asleep. The problem was not that they, were, that they didn't have any oil. They did have oil. No, the problem was that they failed to bring extra oil. As Tom Long puts it, the bridesmaids were ready for the bridegroom. The problem is they were not prepared for the delay of the bridegroom. And that's what makes this parable such an important word, I think, for the church in 2017. Already we are deep into this 21st century, and we're still very much waiting and waiting for that coming kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. We are reminded almost daily of the delay of that kingdom We're reminded almost hourly of the gap between the way things are and the way God intends them to be. When things happen like they did in a house of worship in Sutherland Springs, Texas, we are painfully reminded of the gap and the wait. When refugees are being housed in a camp in Greece, Camp Moriah that's been described by various agencies now is nothing short of a concentration camp that has become a permanent home for more than twice the number of people it was intended to hold, waiting for word about their fate which is very much in the hands of others 
their weight is a reminder of the weight of the world. Yesterday, Kim and I took part in the second Saturday for mission uh, in Columbia, Tennessee, our neighbors just to the south, where well over 300 people gathered, began gathering in a line on a cold morning at 5 o'clock for one cart of food. And their weight reflects that larger weight. It seems to me that what the oil represents is, at least in part, our posture in the waiting, our way of waiting. It is very easy these days to become cynical, to believe that nothing is ever going to change, to listen to the siren call of despair. It would be very easy for many of us to show up, you know, with just enough oil And when the tough times come, when the delay weighs on us, we are dry and dark. Cynicism and hopelessness and despair are not in the end postures appropriate to the Christian disciple. We certainly understand why we may feel these things. But in the end, this kind of posture is not sustainable for the Christian disciple because God has not abandoned us. Through the Spirit, God inspires our presence and practice of faith in the world. God gives us eyes to see the ways Christ continues to be among us in transforming ways, right here in the midst of the waiting. I think the purpose of the oil in this parable, of course, is to illuminate the bridegroom. That's what the bridesmaids were there to do, to illuminate the bridegroom, to call attention to his presence, to lead the way for him into the kingdom. This is the reason I think that the five with the extra oil do not share their oil with the five who had run out. To do so would dim their own lamps, the result being ten lamps with barely enough light to shine on the bridegroom, to see him as he comes. The parable is a reminder to keep our lamps trimmed and burning as we will sing in just a little bit to stock up on on the oil of worship and prayer and study and service and life in community and giving and all of the other practices that train our eyes to see Christ, to see Christ at work and to see him when he comes to establish his kingdom at the last and to see his presence among us in the waiting to shine a light on the glimpses of that coming kingdom and to walk by this light now even as we await its final fulfillment. And so we do grieve with the people of Sutherland Springs, Texas. But we do not grieve as those who have no hope. We look for signs through our tears 
of the ways God's peace and grace and love are present for them as they gather for worship today. Lifting, no doubt, their grief and their anger and their praise and their questions, all of it up to a God in whom they place their trust, even now. We shine with that self-same light alongside them today, seeking the presence of the bridegroom in the midst of such pain. And we will go along with so many others, shining our lamps at Camp Moriah in Lesbos, Greece, seeking out the presence of God, the presence of the hope of God, amidst so much that seems hopeless. Knowing that every meal we serve there, every time we share a smile even, every time we give a a listening ear, every word of comfort we speak, every task we do, no matter how menial it may seem, in that place of waiting, it gives witness to God's presence and peace, and it is an expression of the love of the bridegroom. And we do join our hands with our hungry neighbors who live with the ultimate insecurity of not knowing where their next meal is coming from. As they wait in a long line on a cold morning for just enough food to feed their household for maybe a week. Black, white, brown, all united in their need. And we, united with them in the dream of a coming day when not one of God's children will go hungry and testifying to that coming day by our presence, shining a light on its coming through our sharing. Do you see? All of this we do, and so much more, in response to God's grace, as we ourselves wait. The kingdom has not come in all its fullness, but we do not lose heart. We serve, we pray, we worship, we learn, we love, as we wait. And in these acts, we shine a light on the one who is among us and is surely coming. We shine a light in the darkness and we ourselves are able to see Christ right here in the midst of it all. I was moved by a devotion I read last week from the book we've been reading together. Many of you may have read it as well story of a grandfather and a longtime member of the church whose grandchild was baptized on the same day as a newer family, younger family's child was being baptized. And after the service was over, as the families were milling around and taking pictures, he found himself holding that younger family's infant son. Other church members were coming by and commenting on the infant, and his response was always the same. Oh, this one isn't mine. I'm just holding her for a minute. The next day, this grandfather shows up in the pastor's office, wanting to put the church in his will. He said, yesterday I realized something while I was holding that baby. I kept telling people that he wasn't my child. 
But then it dawned on me that he was part of my family, my church family. I've taken care of my own children in my will, but I realize I need to take care of the children of the church as well. And the author added, those who practice extravagant generosity have a God-given vision and faith to plant seeds for trees whose shade they will never see. And so we wait. And we shine our light as best we can. We practice generosity, even extravagant generosity, not for our own sake, but for the sake of generations yet to come who will add their own oil and their own lights to ours, transforming, healing, caring, loving, serving until the day, until that great and glorious day when all becomes as God intends. With a vision like that, it is easy to give with joy and anticipation to have our gifts shine, illuminating the one who is coming and whose spirit is with us even now. With vision like this, I can unapologetically ask all of us to give with joy as we wait. Amen.